Canada's population grew by 430,000 people in one single quarter, a spike not seen since 1957, according to the latest Statistics Canada data. Republican primaries contender Vivek Ramaswamy has thanked the Freedom Convoy and Canadian truckers for leading the way when it came to the fight against government authoritarianism. A controversial McGill University student group that has put out pro-Hamas messaging was ordered to stop using the post-secondary school's name in its official branding. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, December 20th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm your host, Cosman Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Canada's population increased by over 430,000 people in the third quarter making it the fastest quarterly population growth since 1957. The total population rose to 40.5 million as of October 1st, according to Statistics Canada data. In 1957, Canada's population was 16.7 million, and the spike in population that year was the result of the post-war baby boom, and a high immigration influx of refugees coming after the Hungarian Revolution of 1956. Canada's total population growth over the first nine months of 2023 has already surpassed the total growth of any other full year, dating back to Confederation and including the previous record set in 2022. International migration and an increase in non-permanent residents make up the bulk of the new record-high population increase. Non-permanent residents grew by about 313,000 from July 1st to October 1st, driven by work and study permits as well as refugee claimants, making it the greatest quarterly increase since 1971, the year that data on non-permanent residents became available. Natural increases to population growth are expected to remain low in the future as Canada's population is aging and has lower fertility rates. Once upon a time, population growth would have been received as good news, but as far as I can tell, there are very few people outside of the Liberal government celebrating these startling numbers put out by Statistics Canada yesterday. And who can blame them? The prospect of owning a home is becoming out of reach. Primary care physicians are unreachable and emergency room wait times are excruciatingly long. Yet despite all of this, somehow Canadians are expected to believe that the country can sustain taking in record levels of newcomers every quarter. Even a Bank of Canada deputy governor admitted earlier this month that the Liberal government's extreme immigration targets are contributing to inflation, especially when it comes to housing. All of this leads me to ask, who is this benefiting? Because clearly the ordinary person isn't the one coming out on top. Cosman, the working class and even the middle class of Canada, they're certainly not benefiting from this. Trudeau's immigration policy is actually making Canadians downwardly mobile. We can really credit the housing crisis as 
the turning point for people for public thought on immigration in Canada. People are realizing that rent is too high, the price of houses is too high, and importing hundreds of thousands of people only serves to depress wages and make housing affordability worse. And you'll see Trudeau making these announcements about, you know, how some sort of municipality in Canada has constructed X number of new units. You know, maybe it could be something like 35 new units or maybe 500, but it's not enough to keep up with how many people are being imported to Canada. And I saw a tweet by um, Tristan Hopper from the National Post, and he, he said in a tweet that Trudeau's housing announcements are only accounting for 10 to 12 days of new immigrants. American Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy thanked Canada's Freedom Convoy truckers for opposing the totalitarian streak in the Canadian government. Remember that Canadian convoy of truckers who bravely stood up against those vaccine mandates? Well, the Canadian government revealed how authoritarian they really are, silencing those truckers with censorship, even seizing or freezing their personal bank accounts. That was wrong. And I respect those who, through their civil disobedience, revealed civil overreach on the part of government, administrative overreach. Thank you to those truckers in Canada for doing their part. His comments were part of an announcement that he would be in Walcott, Iowa, at the world's largest truck stop, where he plans to lay out a detailed plan for how we support our truckers and our supply chain while ensuring freedom for all. The trial of Tamara Leach and Chris Barber, two of the Freedom Convoy organizers, remains ongoing in Ottawa. They have been accused of mischief, intimidation, and several other charges in relation to counseling others to break the law. Cosman, it was nice for Vivek Ramaswamy to say something positive about Canada, um, but why is it that our country hardly ever gets referenced in a positive light abroad? You're right, the positive mentions are definitely never positive about the government, to say the least. The Liberals' handling of the Freedom Convoy has done untold damage to Canada's brand. I think it's probably the thing that will stick out in people's minds when they think of Canada this decade. It was just such a turbulent time, and for the government to turn on its own people in that fashion, that's the stuff that I think historians will study. People from around the world recognize who the good guys were in that situation. It was the truckers, not Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his cabinet. To this day, Trudeau's handling of the Freedom Convoy continues to raise the ire of politicians the world over. Just last month, True North reported how Australian Liberal Senator Alex Antic compared Trudeau's freezing of the truckers' bank accounts to the Chinese Communist Party's social credit system. Unfortunately, it's hard to see how Canada's reputation will recover. The McGill University pro-Hamas student group Solidarity for Palestinian Human Rights McGill, which openly praised the October 7th attack against Israel as heroic while celebrating the launching of rockets and taking of hostages, has been ordered to stop using the university's name. The organization known for labeling Hamas as the resistance says it is outraged by the decision and will not comply. In a statement, McGill's undergraduate student union, which is responsible for clubs on campus, said the order to stop 
using the name resulted from failed negotiations involving the union, the student group, and the university. McGill had requested in October that the student union revoke the pro-Palestinian group's permission to use the school's name. Then, in November, the university followed up telling the union they were in default of their memorandum of agreement. In response, the Palestinian group said in a statement to the Montreal Gazette, We are rejecting this name change because we are McGill students who have a right to political expression on the McGill campus. The university, meanwhile, told the paper it was not suppressing free speech. The university cannot be or seen to be associated with a celebration of the taking of civilian hostages. This post by the group was antithetical to the university's values and stands to undermine the important work aimed at bringing our community together through the initiative against Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. In addition to praising the October 7th Hamas attack on Facebook, the Palestinian Human Rights Group has organized and promoted several anti-Israel protests on McGill's campus, including walkouts and sit-ins. I don't think universities should be surprised that student groups are going rogue and adopting radical positions, especially not at a place like McGill, which has been known to hold and harbor a lot of left-wing and, and radical sentiments. Yet when it becomes inconvenient for university administrators, they want these groups to disassociate from the university, in this case not use the McGill name in their branding. Well, unfortunately, I think that a lot of universities in this country and elsewhere have brought it upon themselves. They have created a monster, so to speak, and now they are dealing with the consequences. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Also today, make sure to tune in for the Andrew Lawton Show at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and the Candace Malcolm Show at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Dot news.